1: Hi, Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific markets are in the green this morning as investors look ahead to an interest rate decision by the U.S. Federal Reserve this week. So far this morning, investors appear to be setting aside losses on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, how's Tuesday looking, right, Huang? It's been a long week already and it's only Tuesday, Michelle. I understand the feeling deeply within my bones, Ryan. Now, for the second straight morning, let's start in Mumbai, where shares of companies owned by Asia's richest man, Gautam Adani, appear to be under sustained attack by short sellers and others following release of a research report that accuses Adani of overseeing, quote, the largest con in corporate history. Adani's net worth has tumbled more than 36 billion U.S. dollars. In trading yesterday... Shares of Adani Enterprises actually gained a little ground. They rose more than 4%, but that was more than outweighed by losses of affiliated companies. Adani Total Gas and Adani Green Energy both plunged 20%, triggering a halt in their trading. Now, these losses are taking place against the backdrop of a new high profile share offering by the Adani Group. Those shares are being issued at a price of around 31 to 3200 rupees per share, higher than what Adani stock is currently trading in the market. So the question, Ryan, is why would anyone buy this? It seems like an instant loss. So how is this offering going?
0: Yeah, it does raise a lot of questions how optimistic you are around Adani Enterprises and if you believe the short seller report holds any water. So you really have to be optimistic around its fundamentals as well as its long-term potential. So looking at the full-on offering, remember this is for $2.5 billion worth of funds. It has measure-tracked, drum roll, around mm-hmm. 3% of mm-hmm. what they are hoping for. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure if that's what he's expecting. Typically, when you have these share sales in India you get a lot of traction at the end of the closing period. So normally, the last day is when everyone rushes in. So maybe we have not seen a fairly accurate picture of demand yet. Maybe we'll get it on day on the last day, which incidentally, uh, we could see more today. So we've seen some interest, mainly in retail investors. They've bought 4% of the allocated or allotted quota. Uh, mm-hmm. Interestingly, one of the backers I'm seeing coming out In the headlines is Mm -hmm. um, a holding company controlled by a member of Abu Dhabi's royal family. They will invest $400 million in the share offering. So, that's about 16% of the offering. And it's worth noting they are an existing investor. So, they invested almost $2 billion last year. So, they are, in effect, doubling down to some extent. What Adani was hoping for was to attract investors outside the existing pool of investors to get more money. So with right. the short-selling report just throwing so much uncertainty in the air around what's going on, it seems like we could see people asking more questions before they jump on board. So we'll see. Interesting
1: how that point yeah, interesting that point Ryan about Abu Dhabi investing Abu Dhabi's international holding company investing 400 million US dollars in this share offering. So it seems like while retail investors are hesitating, they're doubling down and some high profile institutions are still showing their faith. In the Adani Group, beyond this capital raising effort, Ryan, some analysts are starting to worry about the Adani Group's credit worthiness. Like most industrial companies, Adani's business is capital intensive, which means it takes on a fair amount of debt. Some analysts are beginning to wonder if the Adani Empire could become the next China Evergrande, whose debt problems you remember roiled markets several times over the past couple of years. What do you think?
0: Yeah, there are some interesting parallels, Michelle. So if you look at what happened to China Evergrande, uh, they were under pressure because they could not come up with the cash flow and liquidity to pay off their debts. And that was partly due to how much of the investor sentiment was against them, partly because of the short seller attacks against them as well as how um, political headwinds were also against them. Uh, if you look at also how some of the uh, agencies who decide what tough grade your bond is, um, mm-hmm. that is also something to watch out for. If the credit rating agencies decide to downgrade Adani like they did to Evergrande, then that will raise more question marks because if they downgrade, for example, the company to junk status, it will mean a tougher time raising money and then there will mean more liquidity issues. And that alone will just see... foreign foreign investors just staying away because sometimes fund mandates disallow them from going to certain levels of bonds. So that will just dry up the liquidity even faster. So it could just go into a a deeper spiral if you see credit ratings downgrade.
1: Before the route in its shares began this week, Adani's shares were up an incredible 1,600%. Over the past five years, Hindenburg research says that those gains are unwarranted. Can you remind us what some of the main allegations Hindenburg has marshaled against Adani are?
0: Yeah, if you look at the Adani enterprise, it has really skyrocketed in terms of both share price, valuations, and based on comparisons to its peers, it is a huge. leap away from where they are right now. So, that's one of the allegations where it's coming from. Hindenburg believes they have been inflated because of um, various measures that um, apparently Adani took. Uh, one of them is they have identified 38 shell entities in Mauritius controlled by Adani's brother, Vinod Adani, or his mm-hmm. close associates. Um, they are being controlled by him in other tax havens. And that... Seems to have been used for earnings manipulation, and Adani Group they have pointed out have been the focus of four major government investigations relating to allegations of fraud. But looking at some of the rebuttals, Adani has said, "No, they did not see anything come to pass from those investigations, and they were cleared of it." So that's important to note. Even though they have uh, they were the focus of those investigations, uh, it's still worth um, noting okay. um, they were under the scrutiny nonetheless and mm-hmm. also Adani Enterprises and Adani Total Gas appear to be audited by a very small firm with no website and that audit firm only has four partners and 11 employees and has only audited just one other listed firm when you think about Adani Enterprises you're thinking about a conglomerate a giant with so many sectors and companies and you know it's that huge and you have this audit company with only 11 employees? You have to ask some questions.
1: Gautam Adani has dropped several more notches, by the way, on Forbes' billionaires list before the rout in Adani shares started. Gautam Adani was the world's third richest man. When we talked about Adani on the show yesterday, he was number seven. Adani is out of the top 10 today, coming in at number 11 behind Mexico's... Carlos Slim. We bring the conversation back to Singapore now. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. A very good Tuesday morning to you. Several real estate investment trusts have opened their books here in Singapore. Capital Land Ascot Trust, which has a portfolio of properties in 15 countries, will pay investors significantly more in distributions than it did a year ago, nearly 50% more, in fact. What is behind the jump?
0: Yeah, good news for CLAS. So they are citing higher portfolio revenue per available unit growth and active acquisitions. So that help push up is DPS by 47% to 3.33 cents. And It's also optimistic look, looking forward because of the reopening of more countries and rising travel demand.
1: All right, next up, CDL Hospitality Trust. Its distributions are up 17%. So what's driving its business?
0: All right, up 17% to around 3.59 cents. And this is for the second half of last year. And it is seeing some positive momentum in rate growth across all its portfolio markets. And this is due to the continued global travel recovery during the half-year period, as we saw um, borders being reopened and businesses just going back to corporate travel to some extent And of course the revenge travel in the leisure industry So that has seen the return of corporate groups
1: and events reinforcing the recovery So we have two ups, if you will But the picture is not quite so bright over at Sabana Reet Ryan, why not?
0: Yeah, that is a tale of almost two different type of read outlooks. The Industrial Real Estate Investment Trust for Sabana uh, is down 7% based on its DPU at 1.46 cents. And this is due to higher interest expenses. So an interesting look uh, with um, Sabana also in the crosshairs of a potential tussle with its minority shareholders right now. Um, So that's a potential uh, corporate headline to look out for if they do pick up more shares to become the next uh, minority key shareholder.
1: A sense of China markets. Now, yesterday on this show, we discussed how China stocks were on the verge of entering a new bull market. Well, yesterday was the first day of trade for the year of the rabbit on the mainland. So how did China shares do? Did they cross the 20% bull market threshold?
0: Yeah, like a rabbit what goes up must come down. So they managed to see a a bit of a bounce and then they pulled back. And I am looking at a bit of a jump of just 0.5%. So that takes an advance to just slightly under 20%. So almost there, on the verge of a bull market. Maybe we could see a bit more traction in the coming days. So... Mm -hmm. It's just on the cusp of a bull market. And maybe if you look at some of the positive indicators, there could be some um, argument for it because with the reopening story and the Lunar New Year break as well, travelers have been going around just swarming destinations, attractions, going to the cinema, box office sales are up, bookings of hotels are up. So all that is just going to drive growth to some extent. But it's a very mixed picture when you look at the property side of things because residential sales are down 14% year on year. So you have to figure out if you're looking at a glass half-full or half-empty.
1: We shift now to Kuala Lumpur, where Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has had some heated words for the investment bank Goldman Sachs. As you will recall, Goldman Sachs was entangled in the one MDB scandal that brought down the government of Najib Razak. I would sum up Anwar's message in two words. Pay up. Tell us more, Ryan.
0: I would sum it up as owe money, pay money. So, this is pretty much what actually Goldman Sachs agreed to do as part of a well, settlement of sorts that they will be willing to pay up for all the well, incidents from uh, the YMDB um, saga. So, this is now seeing uh, Anwar Ibrahim come out and say, hey, if you guys owe um, that much money, you should be paying right mm-hmm. now, and it's overdue. And the settlement announced in July 2020 called for Goldman Sachs to pay $2.5 billion while guaranteeing the return of $1.4 billion of OMDB assets, which was seized by authorities around the world. So there is this argument right now. Goldman says it has paid up, but it comes down to valuations of certain assets. Of course, Goldman sees it as more valuable in some cases, but the Malaysian government has priced it at other valuations, so there is this tussle right now on what's the fair value of what's been uh, handed over to the Malaysian side right now.
1: All right, one more story before I let you go. As you all know, I am so intrigued, me and the rest of the world, by the launch of the AI chatbot, ChatGPT. Well, it seems ChatGPT may have some new competition from China. Baidu, which is often referred to as the Google of China, is reportedly close to rolling out its own AI chatbot. Baidu says it will embed this among its search services. So just think of the implications, Ryan. Baidu's chatbot versus chat GPT, what do you think?
0: Yeah, It's going to be interesting to see how they match up but it is tailored for the Chinese market which means you have to speak Chinese so this is pretty much how China's internet is Carved out From the rest of the world So Baidu If they do manage To put it off Will have a huge market For what is going to be A chatgpt style application Right now They don't have A name for it yet But it's mm-hmm. no surprises That Baidu a Search engine as well Has spent billions of dollars Developing this To well I think Look at how things Are developing you know, This is the future Of how people will use The internet um, Voice uh, Chatbots and just voice assistance as well. And worth noting as well, Microsoft actually has a Chinese AI chatbot already. It's called Xiao I. So, this is um, also going to be pitting itself against uh, Microsoft's version, which may um, also need to be upgraded to match up to ChatGPT standards.
1: And does Xiao I mean anything?
0: Well, Xiao Ai AI is where it's coming from. So it's just one of those cutesy names um, that you form by putting together artificial intelligence. So Xiao Ai AI, uh, that's the nickname that the bot uh, is um, going by. And I've got this clock actually back home. It goes... um, Hmm. By um, the Xiao Ai ecosystem So you can talk to it in Chinese And it opens up A different world Of um, libraries Of songs And movies Which are drawn From Chinese servers
1: Interesting. I think that's the goal. Apart from Baidu, several other startups also exploring generative AI, and they have managed to attract Sequoia and Sinovation Ventures, according to Bloomberg. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang.
0: Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation,
1: and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app.